Welcome to Young Adults. My name is Abby. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Hey, we're so grateful that you're here joining us tonight because tonight we're in this series that's one of my favorites. It's titled, Can We Talk? So my question for you is, can we talk tonight? See, tonight I wanna talk about the love we all want because the truth is, no matter where you find yourself and what relational season you may be in, we could probably all agree that we all desire to be loved. In fact, studies show that 61% of people desire to be married. 88% of people get married for love. Now don't ask me what those other 12% of people are doing. The website didn't mention them, okay? So we're just gonna put them on a shelf. Most people desire to be loved. But even if you take romantic relationships out of it, studies show that number one common thing that's spoken to someone when they're passing away on their deathbed is the phrase, I love you. So we can all agree that love is a powerful thing and love is something we all want. So the question becomes, what is love? Now, depending on how old you are and where you fall between the ages of 18 to 35, some of you might've just sang a little song in your head about baby don't hurt me no more. But one of my favorite things to do is when we ask a big question like that to break it down. And one of the best ways we can break it down is looking at what a child would say. So an interview went out where someone surveyed children between the ages of four and eight years old and they asked them that same question, what is love? And here's how a few of them responded. Four-year-old Terry, she said, love is what makes you smile even when you are tired. Four-year-old Billy said, when someone loves you, they say your name different. You just know your name is going to be safe in their mouth. That's precious. Someone else said, love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you're tired of kissing, you still wanna sit down and be with them. So then you sit and you talk some more. I love seven-year-old Noel. She said, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and then he wears that shirt every single day. (laughs) Another child said, love is when you leave your puppy home all alone and he still licks your face at the end of the day. Oh, I was right. <laughs> this next one is an awe moment. This little boy said, love is what's in the room during Christmas. If you stop opening presents and you just listen. The last child said, love is when I got nervous during my piano recital. I looked at all the people and I saw my dad smiling and waving in the crowd. He was the only person doing that. And then I wasn't so scared anymore. See, as long as we live in a world where relationships are present, Love is going to be something that we all desire. No matter if it's found in a romantic relationship like dating or marriage, no matter if it's found in relationships with our colleagues or a friend or family, a goal of ours should be how do we love in a way that pleases God? So in this series, we've been studying the book of Ruth. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there with us. We're gonna be in Ruth chapter two tonight. But in this series, if you gathered with us last time, we talked about how can we become the best versions of ourselves? And tonight I wanna talk about how can we steward best the things God has given us so that we can attain this love that we all want. Now a little recap before we dive in. In Ruth chapter one, we read about a man named Amiliac. And he was this man who was living in God's chosen land called Bethlehem, trying to follow Jesus with everything within him. When all of a sudden a famine occurs in the land. And so Elimiac chooses to take his wife Naomi along with her two boys to a land forsaken by God called Moab. What's fascinating? is Amiliac's name literally means God is my king. So this man has defined his life by the phrase, God is my king, yet the moment he can't see what God is doing, he chooses to take matters into his own hands by going to a place forsaken by God. 
And how often can we do the same thing? We say, I know God is my king. And I know this place I am right now is not what's best for me, but it's way easier to stay complacent than to actually be obedient. We can say, I know God is my king. I know this relationship I'm in isn't what we talked about, God, but it's okay if I stay right here. This is what Emiliac chose to do, and we saw the result of it. It leads not only to the death of him, but also his two sons as well, which means that his wife, Naomi, is now a widow, left alone with their daughter-in-law, Ruth, who was also a Moabite woman, but changed completely after having an interaction with God with this family. These are the two women who find themselves stuck all alone in Moab. But praise God, this is just a chapter and not a final destination, amen? Because we serve a God that can work all things out together for good, even your past mistakes. See, they've had a story in a moment in chapter one, they're stuck in shame, but we know a redemptive father and there's a chapter two in this book. And so chapter two is where we're gonna be here tonight. Naomi and Ruth head off to follow God by living in the land of Bethlehem. And this is where the word of God picks up. It says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimiak, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. It said she happened to come to the field belonging to Boaz. She just so happened, she just so happened to come to the field belonging to my man Boaz. Okay, if this was a movie, this is when Channing Tatum walks in. A love story is about to break out right now. All the women in the room, go ahead and say yay. yay. Now all the men, let me talk to you for a second. Cause some of you are probably feeling tempted right about now to disengage completely. In fact, a few of you, if you haven't already, might even feel the urge to pull out your phone and just scroll until we get back to worship again. But I wanna remind you that we become what we behold. And just as you can't get to a destination while driving by accident, so too is it no accident to be called a worthy man of God, a man people are still looking up to in the scriptures today if we don't turn our eyes and give our full devotion to the God calling for our attention. So let's lean in, shall we? It's scripture said that Boaz was a worthy man. See, other translations describe him as a man of standing, which simply means that Boaz is a man of character. Not only that, but he's a man of property. He has wealth, he has land, meaning homeboy has a job, and it's a good one at that. Boaz is a man who's worthy of respect. Boaz is doing his thing of watching over his land while Ruth is doing her thing of working hard out in the said field when they just so happened to meet each other. They just so happened. You mean to tell me this woman just so happened to stumble upon some single handsome farmer worthy of respect? No, this is the hand of God moving on behalf of her situation. See, Ruth, is one of two books of the Old Testament that doesn't necessarily highlight a miracle of God, but rather it highlights the hand of God. And the hand of God is moving in this story just as much as the hand of God is moving in your story. See, we serve a God who specializes in placing us in the exact right place at the exact right time. 
Our God specializes in placing us in the exact right place at the exact right time. That season you're in right now of looking for a job, God sees you. He has a plan for you. You being planted right here in North Carolina right now, no matter how lonely, it's for a purpose. You being placed to work on that unit, on that exact floor, it's intentional. The hand of God is working all things out together for your good behind the scenes. But see, if you're anything like me, you can probably get stuck in this trap of thinking, well, what if God might miss me? Or what if I ruin this good thing that God has given me? But can I let you in on something tonight? God is not a God who teases. God is not a God who teases. If you're here with us on Sunday, we looked at that scripture that said, just as a good father won't give their child a snake when they're seeking a good thing, so too will our God do the same for us. He's a good father. He's this father who says, ah, I know, he doesn't say this, let me get that straight. It's not like he sees your desire of your heart saying, oh, you desire a spouse, you know what we're gonna do? Let's have them cross paths at the airport just to miss each other completely. He's not a God that does that. He's not a God who teases. Can I tell you the God that we serve? He's a God who loves us in spite of us. He's a God who says no good thing will he withhold from you just as it says in Psalms 84, 11. If you don't have yet, it's just because it's not good yet. He's a God who will send you a redirection, but only for your protection. He's a God who says, I know what happened with your earthly dad, but I wanna show you that I'm a faithful father who never walks away. God specializes in placing us in the exact right place at the exact right time. Ruth just so happens to be working in the field of Boaz. She's not looking for a husband. She's not frolicking around in some field saying, wow, I hope he notices my cute outfit today. <laughs> no, she's working. Women, can I let you in on something? The very best thing you have going for you is you. You're not almost enough, you're already enough because the King of Kings said so. And at times you feel hidden, it's because you were designed to be discovered. The Bible said, he who finds a wife, he who finds, not she. That's not even in my notes today, that's a free gift. He who finds. <laughs> and when you add value to your life, like leaning into the word of God on a Tuesday night, all it does is increase your value. Worth it, Ruth is working. She doesn't even see Boaz, but God does. And Boaz just so happens to show up. But you know what's fascinating? If we read Ruth chapter one, we see that Naomi actually prayed for this to happen. Do you remember her prayer? She said, may the Lord show kindness and bless you with the husband. So could it be that God is working out all things for your good, even the things you do not see? See, there's great power in your prayers, which is why I love how on Sunday mornings we've been in this series, Bold Prayers. So keep praying, knowing that God's specialty is to place you in the exact right place at the exact right time. Skipping down to verse eight, the word of God continues. And it says, Boaz said to Ruth, do not go and glean in another field or leave this one, but come and keep close to my young women. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And hey, when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? 
But Boaz answered her, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. May the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I'm not one of them. See, this part of the scripture deeply moves me. And I hope you see exactly why in a second. But here in this text, we're giving evidence to why Boaz is referred to as a man of character. Because do you see what Boaz does? He's simply out to bless Ruth. He shows off his character by celebrating her character. See, here's what I want us to know tonight. Your character goes before you. We didn't read about it, but if you look in verse four, one of the very first things that Boaz says is he says, may the Lord bless you. He walks up to his field and he sees all his workers and he says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. This man is speaking scripture straight from numbers. See ladies, you don't wanna just settle for some man that has a Bible on the shelf. You don't even wanna settle for someone that just got the word of God tattooed on his body. No, you want a man of God who has that word in his heart and in his mouth. Men, it said that Ruth was out working in the field. Find you a woman whose life mission is to serve the kingdom because I can guarantee you she'll know how to serve you too. These two people are worthy people trying to follow God with all their heart when they just so happen to show up and it's their character that goes before them. Ruth is sitting there thinking, why on earth would a man of God like him be interested in someone like me? She's a widow. She's sweating in a field. That ain't cute. But character speaks. And the Songs of Solomon, it holds all the love poems in the Bible. And one verse says, your name is like oil being poured out. What does that mean? It means that the mention of the beloved's name, good things get spoken of them. The beloved has character. That even when their back is turned, people are still speaking well of them. In Proverbs 31, it says the heart of her husband trusts her. See, the Proverbs 31 woman has a man of character and she's a woman of integrity. So he can rest assured that even when she's not around him, her loyalty isn't gonna be based off his presence. Being loyal is just who she is. These are the kind of attributes we should be looking for in the love that we want. Because that person that you're with, they represent a piece of you. You should be proud of them. So single person, Keep this in mind when looking around for someone to date. And those in relationships, lead the pack in this by building up your spouse for the glory of God. Because how you speak about them and who you choose to confide in, it matters. It matters. See, there are two significant character attributes that Boaz displays that I think we can learn from today. Here's the first thing, if you're taking notes, write it down. Boaz protects as a way to respect. Boaz protects as a way to respect. He said to Ruth, do not go and glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? See, while working in the fields, it was possible that the young women would get assaulted. But Ruath goes before and he protects her. He moves things together for good and says, come and be in my field. So you can call me old-fashioned, but I wanna talk about something biblical tonight. Men, there is a biblical call on your life to be a leader. Way back in the Garden of Eden, we see that woman was taken from man's side. 
not from his head to be above him, not from his feet to be walked upon, but from his side to be nurtured and protected always. The man's role is to protect. That's what he's called to do. So there is a godly call on your life to be a man who's protective. So in a world that tries to push boundaries, by saying, hey, I'm only gonna go as far as the woman will let me go when it comes to purity. Be a man who takes the stand to say, no, I'm gonna take hold of the position that God has called me to. Lead the way in protecting purity. Lead the way in protecting your girl's heart. Even when she's asked you for the thousandth time today, hey, babe, do you still love me? Tell her again. Maybe she's a words of affirmation girl. Lead the way in how you protect See, there's this word in the Christian faith that I think we could do a whole series on. Are you ready for it? It's the word stewardship. What is it? Stewardship is the responsibility of something that has been entrusted by God to your care. Right from the hand of God to you. How are you stewarding what he has given you? See, the book of James teaches us that every good and perfect gift is from God. So are you stewarding well the gifts that God has given you? How are you stewarding your time and your singleness? If you're dating, how are you stewarding that season to date in a God-honoring biblical way as you evaluate whether or not you wanna step into covenant? Because no matter how much confidence you have that that person could be your spouse, they are not your spouse until you are standing on an altar making a promise not only to them, but to God. Those who are in a marriage, how are you stewarding well the other person? See, that's your covenant from God. Your first ministry, shield it, steward well it, protect it, because we need to work on our marriages every day because if we don't, the enemy will. These are the attributes that we see Boaz displays. Boaz is a man who protects, but the second thing he does is he displays kindness. And if I can be honest with you, this part of the text makes me emotional because we get to see how Ruth responds to Boaz's kindness. It says that she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? See, Ruth notices that this man is unusually kind to her. His character is different and it makes her fall on her face towards God in awe of it. See, when you're in a relationship with someone who makes you bow to the ground in awe and gratitude to God for sending that person in your life, that type of relationship will hit different. And I would urge you not to settle for anything less than God's best like that. Kindness and protection and character is what stands out in a culture like ours today. There's a story about this man who was at a church, kind of like ours in a young adult ministry, kind of like this. And he was talking about how he had the biggest crush on this one girl. She was the most beautiful girl at church. But not only was she pretty to look at, she also had this heart. And so he had liked her for a while. And so one day in a moment of insane courage, he asked this girl to go out on a date with him. And to his surprise, she said yes. So he goes home that night and he's like, oh my goodness the most beautiful girl at church agreed to go on a date with me. And then he's like, oh no. The most beautiful girl at church agreed to go on a date with me. How do I take the most beautiful girl from church out on a date? 
So he said that night he did something that wasn't necessarily biblical, but he grabs his Bible and he says, Lord Jesus, please help me. Flings it open to a random page, points out a random verse, and it said, what is desired in a man is kindness. And so in that moment, he prayed, Lord, no matter what happens on this date today, I just pray that you'd help me to be kind. And then he walked out the door. A few years later, he finds himself in bed, married next to the most beautiful girl from church. And he's looking up at the ceiling thinking, how in the world is this my life? And so he nudges her awake and he says, hey babe, why did you wanna marry me? And she kinda just woke up from her sleep and she said, well, I don't know. All I know is on that first date, you were so, so kind. And he kinda did one of these, that's you God, thank you. I see you moving on behalf of me. What is desired in a man is kindness. Your character is what goes before you and character should be desired in the love that you're looking for. To close Ruth chapter two, it said that Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she took it and went up into the city and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. See, when it comes to the love we all want, we need to know that you don't have to force, convince, or manipulate God's best. You don't have to force, convince, or try to manipulate God's best. Naomi said, blessed is the man who took notice of you. The Lord will make them notice you. Naomi was sitting and she's telling this to Ruth as Ruth was working in the field. Ruth wasn't trying to show off. She wasn't trying to show less to get herself to appeal more. No, Ruth was working. See, many women in this day and age, they would have become a prostitute in order to provide for their family, but not Ruth. She went to work knowing if she wanted to have a life that looked different, she had to be willing to live different. See, when you know your worth, you'll stop giving people discounts. And don't discount what God paid for in full. God says you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with everything you have, but especially your bodies. Ruth was working, Boaz is noticing. Boaz was serving God, blessing people in Jesus' name when God gave him eyes that just so happened to notice Ruth. She didn't have to convince him. She didn't have to manipulate plans to get to him. He was God's best. And so he noticed her. And together, they let love in. See, as we talk about this tonight, I know for many of this, this can be a challenging thought. Because for some of you, you have let love in. And that relationship was broken. Maybe for you, you grew up in a home where love was absent. Maybe for you, you grew up without a dad who spoke worth over you. But I want you to know that just as Boaz notices Ruth, so too, even more, does our God notice you. See, growing up, I grew up without a dad present in my life. And I remember I was probably about 10 years old, I was at a New Year's Eve party, and my neighbor was talking about this girl that was in his life that he was about to break up with because she was a lot to handle, because she had daddy issues. And I remember being 10 years old, and thinking to myself, oh no, am I gonna be a lot to handle for somebody one day too because I have issues with my dad? 
See, I never knew what it was like to have a man speak worth over my life. Many years later, when I was a teenager, me and my mom were at the beach, and she walks into my room about 7 a.m., and she goes, guess what, we're going to New Hope. And I said, why are we going to New Hope? We are at the beach today. And she's like, I don't know, I just feel like we should be in the house of God. So we pack up our car. I'm standing in this worship center I don't wanna be in. I'm listening to this music I don't wanna hear. When the pastor comes up, and he starts telling us the story about his little girl who's in a Cinderella dress. And she looked up at him and said, Daddy, dance with me, as he picked her up by her arms, placed her little feet on his, and they swayed in the living room together. And as I heard this story, I thought, great, this is the exact reason why I didn't wanna come to church to hear about all these perfect dads today. But as he wrapped up, he said these words that I'll never forget. He said, I realize that for some of you, that's not your story but I wanna let you know that God sees you. And can I tell you that everything in that room went blank because I just heard the Holy Spirit speak to me saying, Abby, see, I know you. I know your story, I'm aware of it. I've noticed you all this time and I desire to be that heavenly father for you. And that was the day when I gave my life fully to Jesus. See, you have a heavenly father who speaks so much worth over you. He sees you, he wants to redeem you, he wants to give you more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine as he makes all things new. Yeah, there's a love that we should all strive to have, but nothing can satisfy like Jesus can. You have a heavenly father who takes notice of you. He says, I want every part of you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's a father who wants to restore what's been stolen from you. He's a father who wants to protect you and rejoice over you with singing. The love we all want has a name and his name is Jesus. You don't need to try to capture his attention because he's already captivated by you. You don't need to try to convince him to love you because he died before you could ever decide. You don't have to force it because he freely gave himself. What is love? It's God sending us his very best and his son Jesus. And everything else seemingly significant are just mirrors that are pointing straight back to him. Ruth and Boaz were placed in the field at the exact right time and the exact right place. Ruth notices the character in the man of God, Boaz, as he protects and respects with kindness. And all of that made her fall on her knees in gratitude for God as they noticed one another, but it was only because God first noticed them. See, it all came back to Jesus. Because with Jesus, there's no story too broken no life too messy, no sin too great that our God can't grace. Would you stand up with me to your feet as we go to God in prayer together? Well, Father God, we come before you today, Jesus. And God, I thank you for the power of a story. God, I thank you for the stories like the woman at the well or when Zacchaeus was stuck in a tree God, I thank you for the stories that are written on our hearts and our life that you know full and well completely. God, on days when it's hard, on days, God, when we're in relationships and it just feels like we're just walking in brokenness, trying to do our best to serve what's right in front of us. God, on days when it just hurts to hope as we walk in our singleness. Father, we pray that you would be the God who remains so close. Show us personally how you are a good father that has a track record of faithfulness for us to follow. God, for if you are the one who hasn't failed yet, you are the one who won't fail as we look towards our futures. So Father, give us the ability 
to not just treasure, to not just cherish, but God, to remember your faithfulness, knowing that it's for us tonight. God, I speak over every situation in this room that you would remind your son, that you would remind your daughter that you see him. And the same God who was faithful back then will be the same God who is faithful right here in the right now. May you be worthy of our worship tonight, Father. We pray all of this in your name, amen.